You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the Fan Sided Network. Today's episode is brought to us by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Happy Monday, everybody. Hopefully everybody had a great weekend. Today, I want to talk NBA playoffs right off the bat because a lot happened. We had the end of a couple of series, uh, or I guess the rest, all three of the rest of the first round series here this weekend, as well as the first game of the Western Conference Finals. So I want to talk playoffs first, and uh, then I want to get into a little bit of draft conversation. Of course, the NBA draft lottery is tomorrow night, Tuesday night, and I want to talk a little bit about uh, kind of... um, well, I guess really a handful of players the Timberwolves have been reported to have worked out already, and they're not players who are likely to be drafted, but there's a pattern emerging of the players that the Wolves have been working out reportedly. So I want to talk about that a little bit, um, as well as just kind of a little bit of brief top of the lottery talk. You know, what does this look like if the Wolves get a top three pick? And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more on Tuesday as well as we lead into the lottery. We have a special draft lottery um, I guess, programming for Tuesday night during the lottery. There's going to be uh, a Lockdown NBA Spotify green, green Room um, that will be happening. And uh, I will be participating in that. And of course, there is a 27.4% chance, 27.6% chance that my presence will be completely useless to the rest of the hosts in that room because, uh, of course, there's a, what, a 72.4% chance that the Wolves do not get a pick at all. Uh, but in the 27.6% chance that they do, my presence will be useful and uh, that'll it'll be good. So I'll be there. Um, anyway, we'll get into the draft and the playoffs here in just a second. First of all, a quick reminder, as always, you can follow this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. That includes Apple, Google, Spotify, and of course, the all new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves or at B-Beacon. That's B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Okay, let's talk about playoffs. And of course, the road to the finals, and and, I mean, we're only a round away now from the finals, but all the NBA playoffs coverage here at Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. All right, so what happened this weekend? A lot of stuff. Uh, Friday, I'm not gonna spend too much time on Friday and Saturday because that stuff's frankly old news at this point, but there's a couple notable things. So Friday night, the Clippers won their series in six over the Jazz. Utah really just never, uh, I mean, I shouldn't say they never got a rhythm. They put, they made this a six game, or they pushed the series to six games. But as the number one seed, uh, you know, it was a disappointing performance, no doubt. The lack of Mike Conley was a huge deal. Um, and the Clippers pushed through the last couple of games there with no Kawhi Leonard and ended up winning the series in six. And so that thing was over Friday. And then Clippers Suns played game one on Sunday. We'll get to that here in a minute. Also on Friday, the Sixers forced a game seven. And then on Saturday, the Bucks won their series over the Nets in game seven. That was a fascinating game. I mean, we had a, a really another almost all-time performance from Kevin Durant. And it was almost a situation where you could see him like running out of gas in the final moments of this game. Um, I mean, the Nets didn't have anybody else that really contributed much in this series. Uh, James Harden, of course, had the injury. He had his best game since he came back from injury, but still didn't play the way that we're used to seeing James Harden play. And this was all on Kevin Durant's shoulders. 
I mean, and he almost, I mean, he did single-handedly force an overtime. Of course, yeah, I'm sure by, by now you've no doubt seen, you either watched it or saw the replay, but Durant had the uh, had the turnaround jumper at the buzzer that could have won the game, but his toe was on the line. So the game goes to overtime at the end of regulation. And then in, in overtime, it was just a war of attrition. Like neither team, I think there was one basket in the first three and a half minutes of overtime and uh, the Bucks, and it was by the Nets, the Bucks hadn't scored at all. And then all of a sudden, in the final minute and a half or so, they kind of came to life. Durant struggled offensively. Brooke Lopez had a huge block of Durant at the rim. And then the Bucks came down. Giannis scored a bucket in the paint. And then basically with their last chance, uh, Durant airballed a really tough shot um, that I believe also would have been a two. I think his foot was on the line. It was almost the same spot on the floor, a little bit more towards the top of the key. But a really tough turnaround jumper that Durant just clanged off the rim, or excuse me, he actually airballed it, uh, which was, which was, I mean, one of the clearest signs of somebody who's completely out of gas, right? And I mean, he played, he played fifty three minutes in this game, as did James Harden, and I mean, you had other guys that played fifty or more minutes. Uh, Chris Middleton, Giannis, both did. They were fifty to fifty two minutes. Bruce Brown did for the Nets as well. He played fifty two minutes in this game, um, and I mean. Each 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 bench was completely shortened, as you might expect in a game seven. I mean, each team only played eight players total in this game. Um, and for the Nets, that looked like, I mean, really only seven. I mean, Jeff Green played 13 minutes off the bench. Landry Shamit played seven. And Nicholas Claxton saw the floor for officially zero minutes. Same thing for the Bucks. I mean, Pat Connaughton played 23. Bryn Forbes played, Forbes played five. And uh, Theonasis Atentacupo played one minute. And that was it. Um, you had completely shortened benches. You had the best players playing 50 plus minutes. You had PJ Tucker doing his best to stop Kevin Durant and fouling out on a, on a weird play where he was being overly aggressive and, and, you know, could have been a no call, but as demonstrative as Tucker was while he was guarding Durant, slapping his hands down, you know, it wasn't a shock that he fouled out of the game, but he, so he only played 38 minutes, but he did a good job on Durant. Once again, uh, Harden only shot five of 17 in this game, had 22 points, nine rebounds, nine assists, but missed 10 threes, two of 12 outside the arc. Um, Blake Griffin had 17 and 11, but this was all about Kevin Durant, 48 points, nine rebounds, six assists in 53 minutes. He shot the ball 36 times and uh, made four threes, 10 of 11 on free throws. It was fantastic. And Giannis, of course, down the stretch came through. And we saw at the end of regulation when there was only about a second left, I think, uh, when after Durant had tied the game with the shot with his foot on the line. But Giannis is such a, it's so different running end of game situations for Giannis than it is running them for almost any other superstar because he doesn't have the jumper of a Kevin Durant or a Damian Lillard or a, you know, I don't know, name any other superstar really. I mean, uh, besides Ben Simmons, I guess we'll get to that in a minute. But running an end of game play, a, a short clock out of sideline, out of bounds play for, Giannis is completely different. He still was forced into a tough kind of mid-range jumper from the baseline that he missed, but he was great in overtime and got into the paint, did what he needed to do, finished with 40, 13, and five assists in 50 minutes, 15 to 24 shooting, eight to 14 at the free throw line and two of six beyond the arc, you know, numbers that the Bucks will take every day of the week from Giannis. Um, this was a, this is a fun game. It was the first uh, game seven overtime in 16 years, I think I saw 2006 was the last time that that happened. So 15 years, um, which is just insane. I, I can't believe it's been that long, but this was a really fun game and a, a really good time. So, uh, you know, great series. And I, I picked the Nets in six in that one. So I, 
I was off by a game and the team that won. Um, I haven't done so great on my my second round predictions, but anyway. Okay, next what I want to do is I want to talk about Sunday's games. There were a couple of games Sunday. I want to talk a little bit about, this will kind of lead into the draft conversation and what the Wolves might be looking for uh, in the undrafted free, free agency market or if they're able to get a second round pick in some way in a trade. Um, but I want to talk about Clippers Suns very briefly and then spend a little more time on Hawk Sixers and, and um, kind of relate one of my uh, one of my speaking points from that game or one of my key takeaways from that game to the Timberwolves here in just a minute. Um, before we do all that, though, let's talk about our friends at Indeed. You're the hiring expert for your company, and what you really need is help making your shortlist of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately, and Indeed skills tests that, on average, reduce hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests, then add your must-have requirements so you only pay for applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times, that's 4x more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. That's a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's finish talking about NBA playoff games, uh, Sunday's games. The Suns beat the Clippers in game one of that series. And of course, Chris Paul's out due to COVID-19 health and safety protocols. We don't know how long he'll be out. Um, I would imagine he misses at least one more game, but he didn't play. Kawhi Leonard didn't play. Of course, he missed the last two games of the, of the prior series. And I mean, the Clippers beat the Jazz a couple times without Kawhi. But they couldn't beat the Suns without Chris Paul. I mean, Devin Booker was fantastic. This was his first career triple-double, which surprised me a little bit. 40 points, 13 rebounds, 11 assists for Devin Booker. Played 44 minutes, 15 and 29 shooting, and was phenomenal. Uh, DeAndre Ayton continues to play extremely well and and almost kind of fly under the radar. I mean, everybody talks about Devin Booker, and rightfully so, and also Chris Paul, rightfully so. But fly under the radar maybe isn't the right way to say it, but it doesn't feel like he gets a lot of attention, and he really is kind of their third their third star, right? Their third wheel in, in some sense. He had 20 and nine, a 10 of 14 shooting in this game. And this is a series where he could do some damage. I mean, the Clippers don't have, you know, they don't play traditional big men very often. Uh, you know, Ivica Zubats has seen his minutes decrease and they haven't played great with him on the floor. DeMarcus Cousins played a lot in this game was, well, a lot relatively speaking co- compared to what he has been doing. He only played 13 minutes, but he squeezed the trigger 10 times, shot the ball 10 times, got uh, 11 points, four rebounds. So he was at least on the court a little bit more. It'll be interesting to see if we get more DeMarcus Cousins and more Zubats or, or maybe less Zubats and more DeMarcus Cousins to try and combat the DeAndre Ayton factor. Um, Dario Saric sure isn't a, a, a typical big man, but he does, you know, he is a big man and he primarily plays the four. And he plays 10, 15 minutes a game. So when he's on the court, we may see more, you know, Zubats or Cousins for the Clippers. Of course, Cousins threw down that monster poster dunk on, on Sharich in this game as well. So, uh, but I think matchup-wise, DeAndre Ayton should have a really strong series as he as he had a strong game one. Um, the, the Suns just, I mean, 
it's impressive. I mean, this was a close game. It was tied going to the fourth quarter. And the Suns went on a little bit of a run, ended up building actually a double digit lead. Clippers got back within two in the final 30 seconds or so. And and then the Suns were able to hold on. Um, but this should be a, a ton of fun. This series should, especially once Kawhi and Chris Paul get back. I guess we don't know for sure on either of those guys what their timeline is, but it certainly feels like mid series. There's a chance that they both come back. Um, so that game was fun. And then the last game of the day was, uh, was the game seven matchup between um, Atlanta and Philadelphia. And this was in Philadelphia, of course, after the Sixers had forced a game seven by winning in Atlanta in game six. And the Hawks, I mean, how impressive was this? I mean, they were down three at the end of the first quarter. This was a close game. You know, Hawks went back up by a couple, I think, at halftime, um, kind of a back and forth game overall. The story of the game was really about the Sixers issues and also Trey Young struggling and yet the Hawks still coming through in a big way. And this was Danilo Gallinari down the stretch. It was Kevin Herter down the stretch. Um, Trey Young made a couple of buckets and had a couple of big free throws late, but this was mostly Gallinari and Herter actually in terms of scoring the basketball. There were some big defensive plays and uh, Clint Capella, of course, is very good once again. Uh, this this was a, a one-point game with about a minute and a half left. And then just under the one-minute mark, uh, Matisse Teibel fouled Kevin Herter, he came into the game after Seth Curry picked up a fifth foul and also for defensive purposes, and he immediately fouled Herter on a three-point attempt. Herter made all three threes, and suddenly this was a four-point game with under a minute to play, and and that was basically the the biggest turning point. And then uh, right after a Sixers timeout, Gallinari tipped the ball away from Embiid. Embiid spun on him in the paint, and Gallinari reached in and tipped the ball away, then uh, streaked down the court, got an open dunk. This was a six-point game with 40 seconds left, and that was it. Um, again, massive defensive and offensive play there by Gallinari. Uh, just a couple of minutes prior, he had a big three and then, uh, Herter made those, those free throws, all three of them. And then he had another bucket, uh, just prior to that as well and finished with, I think he had 27 in this game. I'll pull it up here. Um, and yeah, Kevin Herter had 27 on 10 of 18 shooting seven rebounds, three assists. Trey young had 21 points, but he was only five of 23 shooting two of 11 on threes, 10 assists. He had six turnovers too. He said after the game that his hand and his shoulder were hurting him. Um, John Collins, 14 and 16. Capella had 13 and 16. Gallinari had 17 off the bench for this team. And uh, well, Bogdanovich, Bogdan Bogdanovich had a quieter game. Gallinari kind of filled that role for the Hawks and had a strong strong close to this one. Um, For the Sixers, the story is Ben Simmons. And it has been for the last few games. I'm going to go through his numbers in this series here in just a second. He attempted four shots in this game, five points, eight rebounds, 13 assists, only two turnovers, which is great. Um, And he's good defensively, or he's great defensively, I should say. But he attempted four shots in this game, one of two at the free throw line. And that was on a take foul from the Hawks, basically, um, intentionally fouling him more or less with around the two minute mark to allow him to get to the line. And where he went one of two, he passed on an open dunk at the rim. And then Embiid called him out after the game in his comments. Doc Rivers was asked if he thought Simmons could be the starting point guard on a championship team. And he declined to answer, which I don't know how else you'd handle that if you're Doc Rivers. Um, so I don't really blame him. Um, but Simmons was not, was not good. Uh, Embiid had 31 and 11, but he had eight turnovers, of course, is not himself with the meniscus issue. Tobias Harris was solid at 24 and 14, although he wasn't super efficient from the field. Seth Curry was good, not great. And that was basically it for the Sixers team. It was kind of a combination of Embiid's injury, Simmons, uh, I don't know if you call it the yips, but his fourth quarter issues and and really for much of the series, total 
full game issues. Seth Curry wasn't quite consistent enough. Um, and, and with Simmons, without Simmons scoring, you're basically asking Curry to be your second scorer, um, depending on what you get from Tobias Harris. Maybe he's your third option. But if Simmons isn't going to bring anything to the table, that's that's a big issue if you're the Sixers. Um, for the series, I want to talk about Simmons' performance in this series. So he scored 17 in game one and 18 in game three, which are, uh, I guess, the they lost game one, but they won game three. Total for this series, Simmons averaged 9.9 points, 8.6 assists. He shot 60% from the field, but only 33.3% from the free throw line. And he shot over six free throws per game. Um, Not a surprise, not a huge surprise in that everybody knows he's not a good free throw shooter, but he shot, what, uh, 51 free throws in this series. And he shot 33.3% on those free throws. And also, I mean, averaging under 10 points a game, not great. That's not a that's not a great look for a guy who's supposed to be a superstar and is a superstar. He's that good defensively. Um, you look at the final three games of this series where they lost two on one. He averaged six points a game, six point three points, nine assists, shot forty two point nine percent from the field, thirty five percent from the line. He had that four fourteen performance in game five that they lost at home that sent them back to Atlanta down one. Um, or down a game in the series and, and on the brink of elimination. And then even in that elimination game, he wasn't great. He shot the ball six times. He had six points, five assists in that game. Um, so, you know, it, it's impossible. I, I think it's very likely that Ben Simmons is is certainly available via trade this offseason. Really hard to define his value. The, the thing that pops into my mind is back when Ricky Rubio was with the Timberwolves the first time around and everybody talked about, what are the Wolves going to do in the playoffs with Ricky Rubio? Of course, this was never an issue because they never made the playoffs with Ricky Rubio the first time around, but they should have a couple of times. And the conversation was in close late games, teams can just scheme around the fact that Rubio doesn't want to shoot. And when he does, he's not going to make it often enough to hurt us. So that was always a concern. Then he went to Utah and he was actually somewhat effective in the playoffs. And I'm going to pull that up here in a second. Now, to be clear, I should I should say this now. Rubio and Ben Simmons are not the same player. Ben Simmons is a legit superstar, three-time all-star, all-defensive team guy. Um, and also he's only four years into his career. Like we're still talking about a guy who's what, 20, he's about to turn 25. Um, they're not the same player. However, they're both poor shooters. And generally speaking, poor jump shooters, I should say. Rubio was willing to take threes. He wasn't good at it. Simmons doesn't shoot threes at all. And the Sixers have gotten away with that. The other thing I should point out is Simmons is a 56% field goal shooter for his career. Um, Rubio is is nowhere near that. I mean, they're complete opposite ends of that spectrum. So if we're just talking shooting percentage, the, the similarity I'm talking about is the hesitancy to shoot jumpers. And in Rubio's case, the lack of ability to make jumpers. They're also different in the sense that Rubio is a good free throw shooter and Simmons is under 60% for his career um, in the regular season, which is uh, obviously horrible. Um, So there's never been a hack of Rubio because he can actually make free throws. He just doesn't get to the free throw line with regularity, or I should say he doesn't um, make baskets at the rim with regularity. So in terms of their offensive profiles, completely different. But the thing that's interesting here is the lack of, of interest in shooting the ball. And teams can kind of pack the paint and sag off of him in the same way that they tried to do, and they still do, with Ricky Rubio. Um, that's one of the ways that that teams combated the Wolves' offense this last year when Rubio was on the court with Towns and, and uh, you know, Beasley, Russell, et cetera, Edwards. Um, so that that's the only real similarity there. They're, they're nothing nothing alike in terms of their ability as players or, or what they bring to the table, except for the way that teams can defend them late in games. And... This is this is the problem, right? This is what what 
the Hawks were able to do with Simmons. And apparently Simmons, you know, in his own head or whatever happened, um, it's not good. I mean, for a team that had legit finals aspirations and now probably is going to get broken up, um, they're going to have to do something here. And we've said this last couple of years with the Sixers, certainly before this year, it's very likely that Simmons is going to be available on the trade market. And, and the conversation about could the Wolves make a play for Simmons, that's a conversation for another day. But he just signed that max extension prior to the 1920 season. So he's got four years left on that deal for 32 to 38 and a half million per year. Um, and just quickly, there's no way the Wolves could do that without trading either D'Angelo Russell or Carl Anthony Towns. You're obviously not trading Towns or there's no purpose to it. Why would the Sixers be interested in Russell unless the Wolves are adding some significant sweetener to that? And hey, I mean, if they win the lottery on Tuesday night, we could talk, we could have that conversation as a number one or number two overall pick in this draft plus D'Angelo Russell for Ben Simmons. Does that make sense? Um, it makes the Wolves a playoff team. I mean, Simmons and Towns would be a playoff team, but then, then what happens, right? Um, do, are they able to get past the second round with Simmons as your point guard and and Towns as your your best offensive player? We don't know. That's a conversation for another day. But um, this also started me down the path of thinking about what the Wolves need this offseason and what they may be looking for um, in free agency or undrafted free agency. And so then I, I was looking into that and I saw that there were several players that the Wolves have reportedly worked out of late and they all have some very strong similarities with one another. So I want to get into that next and that'll be how we close the show here today. Before we do that though, let's talk about our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar of all time. It tastes exactly like a candy bar. I promise you, you'll love it. Um, it tastes, again, nothing like a protein bar. If, if you think you know anything about protein bars, forget that. Try Built Bar. Uh, it's the only way to go moving forward for you when you do eat. Eat, built, eat protein bars. And if you don't, it's time to start. There's nine delicious flavors, coconut, coconut, almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. There's something for everyone. You could even get a mix box. You'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, but only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and just four grams net carbs. Go to builtbar.com, use promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. All right, let's close the show by talking about some players that the Wolves have reportedly worked out that are unlikely to be drafted or, or could be late second round picks. Uh, most of these names are courtesy of Darren Wolfson of KSTP and Score North on Twitter. Um, and then also I think Chris Hine was in there with with a report as well from the Star Tribune. Um, they've worked out four guys recently that that I've been able to find. And they're all um, lead guards. They're all kind of combo, you know, more point guard. Uh, they would be too small for the four, but you know, in a lot of cases kind of scoring minded, uh, lead guards, point guards. Of course, Rosas already has on his record picking up Jordan McLaughlin after uh, he was undrafted. He was a four-year starter at USC and Rosas picked him up, put him on the summer league team, and then ultimately gave him a two-way deal last year. And he was a revelation late in his rookie season and ended up coming back last season and is a restricted free agent again and cannot sign another two-way deal. So depending on what happens, if the Wolves were to... So, so also reading the tea leaves here, all of these guys are, are point guards. The Wolves, obviously, only have Russell and Rubio under contract this year. Rubio's contract expires at the end of the season. McLaughlin's a restricted free agent. So if the Wolves are unable to bring back McLaughlin or if they opt even if, well, regardless, if they can't bring back McLaughlin, they still need a, a third option at point guard, even if it's a two-way deal or something like that. They need to, This is the market they need to be looking at. And that is obvious, 
but there's a, obviously a clear pattern here as well. There's also the possibility. I mean, it's pretty unlikely that a team that thinks they can be in the playoffs next year, they're they're not likely to sign one of these guys as an undrafted free agent and be like, oh, he's our backup because we're trading Ricky Rubio. I don't think it has anything to do with that, but there's always the possibility that Rubio's moved in a deal this offseason, in which case the Wolves would need to find a bona fide NBA caliber backup point guard. Um, but regardless, the third string point guard spot is going to be open, and that's what we're looking at here. Um, Marcus Carr, who played at the University of Minnesota the last, uh, I think, three years, is one of the names. That was the one that Chris Hine mentioned as having worked out for the Wolves um, after, you know, I watched a lot of Gophers basketball the last few years, I, he's going to be like a, a high, he's a high volume scorer and he's too undersized. Uh, he's, you know, a hard, hard nosed guy, but he's not a good enough defender and he's too undersized, I think, to have a real impact at the NBA level. It feels like he's more of like a fringe G league to the NBA type guy where he'll probably, he'll probably get into some NBA games, but he's not somebody that I would hang my hat on and say he could be a third string point guard at the NBA level. Um, so as much as I loved watching him, at the University of Minnesota. I don't think Marcus Carr is a, a great option. Um, Dwayne Washington Jr. is sticking to the Big Ten, played for Ohio State, played three years there, was a, a starter for the last year and a half of his career, averaged 16 points this year and was all Big Ten. Um, likely won't be drafted. He's another kind of high-volume type guy. He's a solid shooter, 37% this year on three, 36% for his career at Ohio State, um, and 41% overall from the field. He's you know another kind of high-volume scoring type guard, um, I, you know, I think he's maybe a little bit better defensively than Carr without watching a ton of tape on him. Um, but same kind of idea. I think maybe his upside's a little bit greater because of that, or at least I should say his floor is a little bit greater than Carr's. Uh, but he's another name that's out there. DJ Carton, who is an Iowa native and uh, played at both Ohio State and Marquette is an option. He started most of the season for Marquette and is, uh, you know, kind of in that same mold, maybe a little bit of a better shooter, some some better upside there, uh, some same defensive issues as Carr. But he's another name, DJ Carton out of Marquette. And also he played a season at Ohio State. One of the more interesting names to me is is uh, Jaquari McLaughlin, who played at UC Santa Barbara, started his career at Oregon State, played the last three years as a starter at UC Santa Barbara and was the player of the year in the Big West this season. Um, and he worked out for the Wolves reportedly recently. This season, he averaged 16 points, five assists per game. He shot 48.8% from the field. He was 40% from three each of the last two seasons, 40.7 last year, 40.8 this year on pretty good volume, 37% from three in his overall five years at the collegiate level. Um, I, I think he, to me, is the more intriguing one. Um, there's some defensive upside there. He's got a little bit more size than some of the other guys. Um, he was a top 100 high school recruit back uh, five years ago or so. And he could be kind of a priority undrafted guy or even a late second round pick potentially because of the combination of size and shooting ability at the guard spot. Obviously playing at a smaller school, that's kind of the one of the major hesitations for teams. But I think he could be a player of interest for the Wolves here moving forward. So that might be a name to keep an eye on. Um, there was also a note, I think it was his dad had tweeted, uh, thank you to Jalen Noel for hosting him. So I guess, you know, Pacific Northwest basketball, everybody up there is is close. Noel is part of that that uh, long line of talent to come out of the Pacific Northwest and obviously plays for the Wolves. And I guess he welcomed McLaughlin into town, Ja'Cory McLaughlin, I should say, um, for his workout the other day. So um, kind of a cool note there as well. But I, I think a name to keep an eye on uh, moving forward for the Wolves, um, you know, as, as a potential replacement for Jordan McLaughlin as a third point guard, you know, undrafted free agent type, certainly summer league, um, but the Wolves won't be the only team interested in him, to be clear. Uh, but, but I think 
this pattern of looking at point guards makes a lot of sense. Um, also, I mean, if the Wolves were to end up in the top three, you're not looking at pure point guards in the top three if they were to get a pick. And, um, you know, the Wolves are pretty pretty well stocked, honestly, in, in some of these other positions. You've got Edwards and Beasley on the wing. You've got McDaniels and Towns and Nas Reed on, on some level. You think you can pencil in as your backup four or five, kind of swing big. Um, there's a lot of talent on this roster. Again, I mean, they were above 500 and Russell and Towns played together last year. So you're not, it, it's really kind of, as weird as it sounds, making some of these moves on the edges, unless you can make one massive move for a true third star um, or fourth star, depending on what you think about Russell or Edwards as as being classified as stars at this point. Um, but, you know, looking, it makes sense that the Wolves would be looking at the point guard position at, at some of these guys that are likely to go undrafted. Um, I want to talk a little bit more draft, more focusing on the top three on Tuesday, um, because this it could be the last day. There's a 76% chance it is the last day that I can really, or I should say 72% chance that I can really talk about the Wolves in the top three in the draft. So I want to do that on Tuesday and preview the lottery, you know, kind of rehash those odds, talk about the different scenarios, potential for Tuesday night. And then of course, tune into the Spotify Green Room show on Lockdown NBA. That'll be on all the Lockdown NBA feeds, YouTube, Twitter, all that good stuff. Um, So stay tuned to that or for that on Tuesday. That's all we have for you today. Thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Wolves podcast. Of course, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. A quick reminder that you can follow the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. That includes Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves. You can follow yours truly at at B-Beacon. That's B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Reminder, today's show was brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS app store and find one of our lockdown rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. That's all we have for you today. We'll see you again tomorrow. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Today on the Lockdown Today podcast, the Nets and 76ers have questions to answer. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Lockdown Today podcast. Follow the Lockdown Today show on the Odyssey app or wherever you listen to podcasts.